What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up and coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. If that sits well with you, sit back, grab a beverage, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I'm your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Luck. Hey, what's up, y'all? So on today's episode, this one is a bittersweet episode. Um, To dive right into it, we recently lost a fighter. We mentioned it on one of the past episodes and did a moment of silence, but we recently lost Anthony Rumble Johnson. And from what I understand, and my apologies if I'm misquoting anything that I read, but it looks like his passing was from some form of Hodgkin's lymphoma um, that he had going on. And it looks like, based on the stories that I read and looking at his social media, he had been battling it for over a year and kind of had ups and downs and getting better and, you know, and getting worse, but he's a person that I think we would have eventually did a gloves and roses on anyway, especially because he retired, you know, relatively speaking early for a lot of fighters, not super early, but relatively early. He was still pretty much in his prime. And then he retired with a lot in the tank. Yes, absolutely. And then of course we know he came back out of retirement, left the UFC and went over to Bellator. But um, yeah, when I saw the photos and I wasn't aware of any of this before his passing, I really was, I was not following him on any social medias. So I didn't know any of this was even going on. And then when I saw the photos of him over the last, you know, the last year or so, I was really shocked at how much weight he had lost and everything like that. But yeah, it's it's shocking how much things can change in just a year. He had just won a Bellator fight last year. It was, you know, scheduled for another one. And then this happened. So I wanted to get that out of the way in the beginning. My condolences goes out to his family, friends, everything like that. But I'm going to let you say anything that you want to say, and then we're going to make this a regular Gloves and Roses episode. I guess I just want to piggyback on what you said. Is It's kind of mixed emotions because I am a Rumble Johnson fan. I've always been, and I always love it when we cover somebody where I get to watch some highlights that it's all stuff I've seen before, but sometimes you almost forget. And, uh, right. you know, it's a great time doing the research. And I actually thought this at one point. So it's funny. You said the mixed emotions at one point, I was so excited to be covering rumble and doing something that I was fired up to do the research about again. And then kind of got overwhelmed with a, a you know, kind of a rush of, you know, you know, not sadness, but being down because, you know, when I think of like, right. oh, yeah, why we're covering it, uh, th- th- this is a bummer, you know, but 
like you said, uh, condolences go out, but you know, uh, heroes don't die. They just become legends or whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so now to actually get into it, as I said, this is Anthony rumble Johnson gloves and roses. A lot of these gloves and roses we do, um, it's for the people that watch regularly like us, because as you mentioned, you forget about some of the fights and things of that sort. But one of the biggest things is for some of the newer fans of MMA that, you know, a lot of these guys, if they're newer to MMA, either were already gone from the sport or were on their way out. So they kind of seen them at the end of their tail of fighting. And if you were not a big champion a lot of times those names quickly go away, you know? So that's one of the points of why we do Gloves and Roses. So started out, uh, Rumble's record was 23-6. and six. Um, Other than his first initial four fights, uh, well, actually, I think his fourth fight was a UFC fight. But, uh, yeah, his fourth fight was a UFC fight. So other than his first three fights, he pretty much only fought four big promotions with, um, you know, the exception being he had two fights for uh, Titan, which you don't think of as that large of a promotion, but it wasn't because of skill or talent. Of course, that was because of the issues he had making weight, stuff like that in the UFC, right? But out of those 23 wins, he had 17 KOs. And if you haven't watched the Rumble Johnson fight or watched his highlights, he was the smallest person that I know, non-heavyweight, that knocked people out and took their head off like what we see now in Ghana do. He's had some really scary knockouts against dudes, right? Something that you normally only see at heavyweight. Um, awards and accolades. 2004, he was actually junior college uh, national wrestling champion um, in the UFC he earned a fight of the night against Koscheck in 2009. Uh, that fight, he actually lost. You know, it, I actually wanted to see him beat up Koscheck. I'm not a Koscheck fan, as anybody should know. But um, it was one of those fights where he he he, he gassed out a little bit, and uh, he was vulnerable to some of the um, some of the jujitsu and wrestling. He had KO of the night against Gil, uh, Kevin Burns in 2008 and Charlie Brenneman in 2011. Now, for those that had not have not been watching the UFC for a really long time, um, or I'm sorry, that's newer to the UFC, there used to be separate bonuses based on knockout of the night, fight of the night, and submission of the night. And I forget what year it was, but all of those went away, and they just made the performance of the night, and they made multiple performances of the night. So after that, after those two knockouts of the night, he has five performances of the night, and all of them are actually knockouts. So one against Little Nog, which was a first-round knockout in 2014. One against Gustafson, first-round knockout in 2015. Jimmy Maniwa, second-round knockout in 2015. Ryan Bader, first-round knockout in 2016. And Glover Tashira, first round knockout in 2016. Uh, other notable wins, other than mentioned there, he's beat Phil Davis, Mike Cow, Andre Arlowski, and Dan Hardy. 
and then other notable fights. He actually had two fights against Daniel Cormier, which were for the light heavyweight title, in which he came up short. And he faced Vitor Belfort at middleweight in his first stint in the UFC. So that's a little bit on his background and accolades. So the first thing I want to do is throw it over to you, Lot. Yeah, so <clears throat> the first thing I guess I want to say, I feel like this is the first time ever you've kind of skimped on on some of the notable names because I feel like usually you're a bit more of a snob. So you, what what's a notable name to you is, uh, you know, a lot. A lot different than a lot of people's notable names, but I'm, you didn't mention better. Vader, did you? I did. Yep. I, oh, well, okay. I mentioned him with because he was a part of one of the uh, performance awards. Okay. So I gotcha. mentioned him with gotcha. the performance awards. Yep. Um, and, um that's definitely one of the things that I noticed researching today, getting ready for this. Is when you look at guys that fought a who's who of fighters, um, he's definitely up there on this on that list. And one of the things I want to say before we get into it, because uh, I know you got a bunch of questions and stuff like that, but a couple of the things, like, I want to start adding to his resume list some of the uh, Fat Boy MMA awards, because Rumble Johnson is for sure a first-team all-violence team. Absolutely. that that We need to name that the Lock All-Violence Award. You know, we're, we're, we're coining that today. The lock all because you know when you have awards like in in uh, you know football and different sports it's usually named after an individual for some reason and you were the first person that I know calling for the all violence team so I'm making note right now he's going to be inducted into the lock all violence team I don't know if we're going to call it a ward or. Uh, yeah, he, he's the in the class of 2022 yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We got to get a bus. That'd be a big ass bus, too. Rumble Johnson, <laughs> a big ass head, man. Right. And I'm a part of the big head family. So, yeah, exactly. Um. So, anybody, any of our fans, uh, want to go ahead and jump on Wikipedia and go ahead and add that to his credentials. He, for sure, first team all violence team. And, and the other thing. Right. This is debatable, uh, but I think for me, I'm going to go ahead and put my flag in this one that we've discussed this multiple times, different fighters, but I think I'm going to go ahead with Rumble Johnson as my greatest fighter of all time to have never held a major title. I would say that one would be hard to argue against. Um, I think we've talked about that before per... Not like all time, but just per like if we're looking at a certain division. I don't think we've really talked about it in general all time. And I think he's the perfect person to put in that category because he's fought at welterweight, middleweight, light heavyweight, and heavyweight, right? So and fought um, studs, legit yep. studs at every weight every, class. Every weight class, yeah. No, I, I, I don't disagree with you, so keep him going. What else you got for us? What's the next Well, one? you know, just, just out of respect for the past, you know, we want to make sure when we got out gloves and roses, we're for sure giving out all kinds. Uh, so just got some extra kudos for them. But, yeah, that's just a couple of things that kind of hit me uh, getting getting uh, getting prepared for this episode is it's it's a huge loss. I, I don't want to – I just want to keep it to the fighting game because that's what we're podcasting about. I don't know. I'm sure, you know, his friends and families, like we said, his condolences, but – 
Fighting World definitely lost a <clears throat> a classic with Rumble Johnson, and I think yep. it's a good reason to do this because we get caught up a lot. Yeah, he's not a double champ, he's not a any champ or anything like that, but one of the most exciting fighters of all time for sure. Yeah, and and a guy that I mean, if we're honest, most people just didn't want to fight him. Um, you know, I remember in I believe it was the second DC fight where he hit DC with like, it was kind of a mix between a hook and an overhand and literally DC went flat on his stomach onto mm-hmm. the canvas. It was the craziest thing I had ever seen. Now he didn't knock him out. Of course, DC ended up going and winning that fight, but DC won those two fights because of something that DC said before. And he said, you know, Deep down inside, when it comes to the wrestling and whatnot, I believe that Rumble Johnson, I've seen him quit before. And I think if I take him in deep waters there, deep down inside, he's going to remember that. And I can get him to quit, basically. So he turned it into a wrestling match. On the feet, he wanted no parts of, of Rumble Johnson. And we've seen DC stand with everybody. I mean, who didn't he stand with? From John yeah. Jones to he's Stipe lost, to... The Stipe fights, what cost him was his, you know, stubbornness yeah. with the striking. I agree. When I, I rewatched Rumble, that race plant no. recently before we were even doing this episode. Because uh-huh. I seen DC making fun of himself on a podcast <laughs> when they were talking about the hardest he ever got hit. And uh-huh. I heard him talking about it and I remembered it. I remembered the fights and I'm like, hold on, let me check. And I rewatched it and yes. Yeah. One... It, so ridiculous that Daniel Cormier is possibly the baddest man of, of all time when you yes. watch some of the between the, the Japanese chicken video and the, the Rumble Johnson face plant. It's, it's crazy yeah, that he's uh, it, such it a monster. Is, but, you know, you figure a guy like DC and this is, you know, kudos to people like Rumble that, you know, really went out there and took it to him. Um we talk about people that fought nothing but studs. DC going back to, you know, getting into that tournament as a, a new guy, pretty much getting into that heavyweight tournament over in Strike Force. From that point forward, he fought nothing but big names, nothing but, you know, the who's who. And he probably would have gotten the heavyweight belt even quicker. But as we know, he went down that light heavyweight because of Kane competing for the title. But when he came over to the UFC originally, I think his first two fights, two or three fights, something like that was at heavyweight because he was a heavyweight. And that's when he decided when they started talking about, you know, him fighting for a title and whatnot, that's when he decided to go ahead and drop down to light heavyweight. So uh, for Rumble to take it to a guy like that, that, you know, spent his whole career at heavyweight, and was, you know, putting heavyweights down. That says a lot about the power that Rumble really brought into the ring, and um, which actually leads me into my first question, um, because I have a... a, um, This is one that I really, really want to know your answer to, because I think that there are so many to choose from. What in your opinion, was Rumble's best KO or your favorite KO? 
I knew you're going to ask that one, and that's such a tricky one. So what I did try to do was I tried to figure out a way to differentiate so I could just name as many of them as possible. Just figure out ways to fit them in with whatever question you're asking because I didn't want to have to go down the row. It's a real Sophie's choice. You know what I mean? Who's your favorite kid kind of thing? And and it's a tough pick Um, because it's weird. What do you base it on? Like, okay. I don't know. I don't want to start naming them because I don't want to, you know, steal any of your thunder. No, go you ahead. Know, but, go ahead. No worries. But it, like, okay. Do you look at something you've never really seen before, like the Bader knockout, where it's ground and pound and you don't even realize until they break it up that he's out mm-hmm. cold, you know? Mm-hmm. Or the the violence of some of the head kicks or the big names of like a little knock, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. well, what makes it the best knockout? You know, the violence level, the something I've never seen. But I think I decided, because we are in Detroit, and uh, so I'm going to go with the the Rashid Wallace, the ball don't lie knockout, as my favorite Rumble Jackson knockout of all time. And which one is that exactly? <laughs> so that's going to be the Kevin Burns head kick. Okay, okay. Listen... So, he gets the Kevin Burns fight, right? Kevin Burns keeps poking him in the eyes. Yep, disqualification gets... on the first one. Yeah, so, um, so Kevin Burns wins that fight. Rumble tries to take it to the athletic commission, tries to overturn. We're like, no, you lost, man. It's like, no, he was poking me in the eye. It was an eye injury. Like, nope, you lost. So he's like, well, you know what? Let's set up the re- let's set up the rematch, you know. And uh, like Rasheed Wallace said, ball don't lie. And he kicked Kevin Burns in the head so hard. Yeah. And and if you notice something, I watched all of his knockouts, and a lot of those knockouts. Look, he wouldn't. He would go in for the final blow, but he was aware of his power. Usually. He would drop a person, then he'd give it like a half a second to see, do I got to keep going? With Kevin Burns, he went Michael Bisping, and uh, <laughs> he was getting another shot in. No like, he what. wanted to land a shot on Kevin Burns. So I'm going to say I love a good head kick, and it's so crazy. We're talking about a guy whose roots are as a JUCO national championship wrestler. And I forgot how many head kick knockouts he has, but because yeah, he doesn't uh, wrestle. Yeah, <laughs> never. I, it's hard to believe because I don't know that I've ever seen him wrestle. Um, but yeah, I'm going with the Kevin Burns knockout. Okay. I don't disagree with that. And especially the way that you laid it out. Um, that's definitely one on the top of the list. Um and that was, you know, for people that don't know, that was a part of his first stint. Uh, so that was a middleweight fight. Um, and yeah, that was a spectacular one. And I remember that cause he got, he got poked in the eye like a few times. Like, you know, it, I see some of those fights and it makes me question a lot of these commissions when things don't get overturned afterwards, because I they understand. They didn't know what they're doing back then. I feel like uh, they still don't know what they're doing, but that's true. <laughs> I understand because. At the moment, I understand. But when you have enough time and you can review it and everything like that, how do you not make the right call? That part is what I don't understand. So for me, my favorite KO was of Glover Tashira for multiple reasons. So 
One. That was high up on the list too. I w- that one yeah. was going to get talked about one way or the other, so I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, and I'm a Glover to share fan. I like Glover. Um, I've always liked him. I think he got the right personality. He got a, a you know a, a style that's exciting for you know people to watch and everything like that. There's two reasons why I picked that one. One, when he got hit, his lights immediately went out. There was no stumbling, no anything. He got hit, and it literally was like, you know, when uh, Kevin Hart, had, you know, during the stand-up some years back, when he talked about the UFC fighter that hit a pressure point, shut your whole body down. That's what that KO looked like, right? And the second part was Glover coming from a KO like that. This was before... We saw Glover make a big run and become UFC champion. So for those two reasons, I love that KO one for him to do that. And nobody was one punch knocking out Glover to share. That doesn't happen. But then we know how many people don't come back from those. Glover came back to be a UFC light heavyweight champion after that. And so, um, yeah, that was a, that was a big one for, him. and it was a really quick, like, it was like a 13 second KO or something like that. First round. It was like, he went out there first punch, bam, he's out. And nobody does that to Glover, you know? So that was a, a big one. As you can see, even in his, um, title fight, Glover's gritty. So, you know, if you're going to beat Glover, you're usually going out there to grind him out in some type of way. Even if you do get the knockout, it's a grind. Nobody just touches Glover and his lights go out, right? Oh, I I agree 100%. And I think in addition to that, because you mentioned the championship run, that after that, immediately after that, he beats Jared Cannonier, and he has a couple losses mixed in, but that's when he starts to put together that run. And uh, one of those losses is a fight of the night. So yeah, not only did he get the championship after that, he had two fight of the nights and three performances of the nights. So to me, that was kind of the knockout that, because I, I watched a video that had every single one of his wins uh, in chronological order, which was, it was quite entertaining mm-hmm. to watch. I gotta and, find uh, that now. You got to send it to me. <laughs> so a- after watching that one and you start to see some of these names as he's going through the list and you're like, oh man. These are getting these names are getting bigger and bigger. You know what I mean? These are getting better. And and that's not the first time he did that. So he beat Andre Arlovsky at heavyweight. Yeah. And that's a win that looks better in hindsight because after that, Andre Arlovsky went back on his run where he came back to the UFC and uh was putting stuff together there. So mm-hmm. So you know how you always talk about me stealing your thunder? You just stole my thunder on something, but I'm going to let you go ahead and continue. <laughs> but you definitely stole my thunder on that one. God, well, my bad. But, yeah, he he has – some of these guys that he's beat, some of these wins look even better in hindsight. And, uh, yeah, the Glover Teixeira win, that's why I didn't mention that one when I was going through the Bader because that's almost one of the best knockouts because, you know, biggest name, fastest – you know that that's definitely one that was I ha- had to be on the list. It's, yeah, it's hard I, I to compare agree. a knockout of Glover Teixeira versus uh, Kevin Burns, but 
go watch that head kick and you'll be like, yeah, okay, maybe. And significance of what happened, the way that you broke it down. So I'll go into my next question because you actually gave the leeway and I'll start off with it because you gave the leeway for it, right? And I was going to ask, what was your favorite Rumble Johnson fight? And mine, I had the Andre Olowski fight and I had it for the reason one, both of them were out of the UFC. So that fight, I believe, happened in World Series of Fighting. Um, it was a good fight. Um, Rumble looked huge in that fight. It was his first fight at heavyweight. He looked huge. And um, he won that fight. And after that, you know, Arlowski is one of those guys that we always talk about. Of course, I'm a huge Arlowski fan, but I want to see him retire. He's the ultimate comeback kid. He's reinvented himself more time than anybody else probably in the sport. But to your point, after that fight, not only does he go on and make a big run and fight a bunch of big names, he gets all the way up to the point when he got back into the UFC, both of them did. But Arlowski also ended up fighting Stipe. It was either a title eliminator, I think it was, that he fought Stipe for. Um, but, you know, he ran off, got back to the UFC, and after that, he, uh, he well, wins. He beat Mike Kyle. He beat Brendan Schaub. He beat Antonio Bigfoot Silva. He beat Travis Brown. And he beat Frank Mir to get to Stipe. And this is after losing to Rumble Johnson. And these guys at that time, so we're talking about this is a span of, 2013 to 2016 at that time these guys were the who's who at heavyweight these are the big names that you know you're fighting most of these guys have either fought for a title or a title eliminator right so to me one I thought it was a good fight excited fight and one of the best fights you know outside of the UFC um with two guys that we all know probably should have been in the UFC and that fight was a catalyst that led both of them back to the UFC, right? But yeah. um, to to your point, to piggyback on your point, what both guys did after that is the big thing that impressed me. So for you, what was your... You can reply to that, but then also, what was your favorite Rumble fight, just in general? No, I, I agree with you on that one. And that's honestly one of the fights that I've caught the most shit from ever, even as a Rumble Johnson fan from pro probably you, TJ, but everybody in our fight group, only because at the time, I thought it was a good win. I thought Andre Arlowski was on the downside, and I was like, he said afterwards, he's like, yeah, these heavyweights are strong, he looked a little tired, I wasn't impressed by Arlowski. I, I said, look, I really love i like rumble johnson but you know i don't know if uh that was the best win i don't know about him at heavyweight uh -huh. and uh <laughs> i got shit all over for that one so i think that's the way he's out i like that that's the the mark on resume on uh on his record that is i'm kind of scarred you know i've kind of blocked that out from my memory from the beating i took from my so-called friends we all over have my those. opinion on that fight we all um, have but those. I would say my favorite Rumble fight, my favorite one is I'm going to go with the 
a Jimmy Manawa fight. Yeah, I like that fight. I like that. And fight. Jimmy Manawa is one of those people that I actually expected more out of. I thought he was going to have a better career than what he did, but I mean, he fought some. He fought some dogs. He fought some some studs, you know. Um, but I really expected more out of him. But I think his style too. He was one of those go out to KO you or get KO type of fighters. But yeah. His problem was he was a lot like like a bigger version. He was like a bigger version of Paul Daly, where, yeah, he could knock you out, but all you had to do was not play his game at all, and he was beatable, you know. Um, but but at that time when Rumble Johnson fought him, he was fifteen and one. He he's a big, strong knockout guy. So he's kind of like an English version. You know, he's like an English rubble Johnson, just, but without that little extra, that it factor, you know, but yep. I liked it because it was a fight with a guy that went out there to play rumbles game with him. You know, it went into the second round. So we got a little fight out of it. It's one of his performance of the nights. Um, it was, you know, kind of on one of his upswings and, Look, I'm a I'm a red blooded American. I always love to see a good Brit get the shit beat out of him. You know what I mean? Like I was, like that's well, that's one of the few things that have me chanting USA. You know, watching a watching an American fighter beat the shit out of a Brit. You know, it's funny. Um, so after this Kevin Holland fight that recently happened, um, Kevin Holland versus um, versus Wonder Boy, um. Uh, crazy fight what's the what's the dude name with the um the dude with the the black dude with the always dyes his hair blonde that um izzy had uh ko you know with the they were he was talking a lot of junk to izzy izzy basically ko with him with a jab um i'll think of his name in a minute but um it's the funniest thing so after that fight he goes on like this funny rant about Kevin Holland where all he's saying is like stuff that Kevin, it's like a he's mocking Kevin Holland saying in so many words, who goes out there and fight a kickboxer as a, like try to beat a kickboxer at his game. But he names all of these like random things like, and I don't remember what all of them were, but you know, it was like, you know, <laughs> It was like, and I'm this one I'm just completely making up just to give you an idea of what he says. Like, you know, who's going to go out there and decides to, you know, outdrive Mario Andretti or this, that, and the other. You know what I mean? It's like, why would you play into that game? But he goes down like a line of like five different scenarios. So to what you said, that's what I think about like when you have a guy like Jimmy Manuwa that goes out and his game plan is to stand with a guy like Rumble. Like, I don't understand how that factors into your game plan, right? You stand with him long enough to get him to the ground. That that's it. Your 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 goal shouldn't be to go and stand with him. And we're talking about this is after him coming off of you know coming back to the UFC, knocking out uh, Lil Nog, knocking out Gustafson. Yeah, he lost to Daniel Cormier, but as we mentioned that was more Daniel Cormier's wrestling. And then you're the very next guy up and you decide, you know, I know what I'm going to do. 
I'm not going to do what DC did. I'm going to go ahead and stand with him. This is a great idea. No, it's it's not. It's not going to go well for you. But I don't think Jimmy Manuel's got another option, right? I mean, we established he don't use it, but we also mentioned right off the bat, JUCO National Championship. Jimmy yes. Manoa is from London. They 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 just they punted wrestling as a, a discipline. This is true. This is true. Isn't a it ironic that Bisping's like though. son is like a fucking stud wrestler? Yeah. Well, like, it goes it's like he got out of England and he's like, the around. one thing I'm going to adjust to American culture is we will wrestle in this house. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that, um, that Joe Rogan said that I think is so important for people to understand, this isn't about you fighting multiple attackers or people with knives or other weapons or whatever. But when you're talking about a one-on-one fight, between two individuals, MMA as we know it today, with the catalyst being the UFC, has shown us the best disciplines for this because they don't rule out any discipline that you can come in with. The only thing that's ruled out, there's rules as far as what you can and can't do because it's a sport. So we need the longevity there, right? Like you can't just go around poking people in the eye. That ends careers, right? But... In general, any style that you have, you can bring in. And we get a chance to see what happens with the combinations that people put together. And if your dad is a fighter, even if you're not planning on being a professional fighter, you're at least going to look down that road. And if you're looking down that road, how do you not wrestle? when you understand how important it is, especially looking at things like the ultimate fighter, when they brought in a lot of guys, um, you know, from the UK, the same one that Bisbing was on. And I forget the other guy that was kind of popular on that one, but um, you know, I think they had like three guys from the UK on that episode. But um, when you look at that and you look at how a lot of the guys from that area fared, that didn't get the wrestling, yeah, of course. And you look at Bisbing that did eventually become champ, even though I don't think he was that good at wrestling. He did the right thing. He ended up bringing in a lot of wrestlers and things of that sort to try and, if nothing else, to try and negate people's wrestling so he can use his stand-up, right? Oh, he definitely did. He definitely did. Um, and I always like to joke around about that because I think it's ironic, but yeah, it makes 100% sense. Percent. It makes sense that his son would be a stud wrestler. I just think it's funny that... Uh, look, I, I like to claim uh, American wrestling as a dominant over London, so... <laughs> look, That's not historically... I mean, na- name a British fighter with good wrestling. Or an English fighter with good wrestling. Yeah, I don't... Offhand, I definitely can't name one. Because um, traditionally, that's just not what they have. Um, even I mean, if we Lee look Murray, at, obviously, he could do everything. <laughs> even if we look at, he um, could strike, grapple, slang, uh, rob, <laughs> you name it. Even if we look at like Leon Edwards, right, the new, um, you know, champion for um, for welterweight. I mean, he was getting manhandled based on wrestling in that fight. 
you know, and um, had Usman really continued and focused on making that a wrestling match throughout, he wins that fight easily. We're having a completely different conversation. Like, we would be talking about how easy he won that fight, and instead it ended up being a knockout loss, right? And it really came down to wrestling. Uh, I've said I've said it all all the time on here. Different fighters, wrestlers have this obsession with trying to become kickboxers. Yeah, and I think that whole camp, um, that Sanford MMA camp. I mean, especially you look back when it was the Black Zillions, right? And they had, I mean, wrestlers, crazy dudes, crazy in jujitsu and everything like that. And all they did was stand up and. Uh, you know, Rumble was a part of that camp. Rashad, Rashad, you know, Big Ten wrestler was a part of that camp. Um, you know, uh, of course, Usman. Usman wrestling in that last fight, that was the first time we had seen him wrestle in forever. He doesn't wrestle, <laughs> right? So, you know, uh, well, you Michael want to go Johnson. To that camp, Michael got, Johnson? Yeah, they got two questions. Do you have a legit wrestling pedigree? You must have it. Are you willing to completely forego it and never use it ever again? <laughs> well, then come on in. Right, come on over. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> exactly. We, but, we yeah. want people that won't wrestle. Oh, so you want kickboxers? <laughs> like, no, we want wrestlers. We just want them to not wrestle. <laughs> okay, next question. So, you can pick one, you can pick two, but in Rumble's career, what would you say was the fight that you really wanted to see happen that didn't happen? The one that got away from us that we really needed to see before he retired or whatever else? Well, I think the fight we didn't get from Rumble Johnson is possibly the biggest fight in MMA history. Well, maybe not biggest because people always say like Fedor versus uh, at least uh, light heavyweight or whatever. But, uh, at least like uh, heavyweight jo- history. Uh Rumble Johnson and uh John Jones, man. Um it's the fight that should have happened. I think they tried to do it twice. And I think and and this is pie in the sky and I look and look, you can't John Jones is the, probably the greatest to ever do it. You can't he's going to be the favorite going into any fight. But styles make fights. And I think it's one of those things where even though DC you don't do the MMA math. DC beat Rumble Johnson twice. Yes. And I think he's a style problem for Rumble. But I think Rumble is a style problem for John Jones. Yeah. Um, he hits very hard. John Jones is hittable. And um now obviously he would there's the one chance he could adjust the game plan. You know, he's got a high fight IQ, he's got a good camp. They could come out, implement some kind of a you know a wrestling game or something. He could probably win that way. But I think if he goes in there with his typical old game plan, I think Rumble Johnson, out of all the light heavyweight fights, and John Jones ran the gambit, he was the guy that was the best matchup. And I don't think John Jones ducked him by any means. I think it's just one of these. I think John Jones hates that it didn't happen. Like because for his legacy, he knows that would have been one of the big ones. But I think it's it's. T- it's tragic that that fight never happened. And Rumble Johnson, he could have been, had the recipe to change what is MMA history now with one punch because 
we know John Jones is hittable, and we know what Rumble Johnson can do with one punch. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and yeah, you know, as I was saying, it, 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 even if it wasn't the biggest fight in MMA, I think it would have been the biggest fight in light heavyweight history. I don't re- remember two light heavyweights really coming together that would have been bigger than that. Um, and just a scarier all-around matchup. And as you mentioned, they they tried to put it together twice. One of the times, they had the full face-off and everything. And if you remember, they uh, tricked Dana White because it was after the altercation on stage with John Jones and Cormier, where they end up, you know, basically getting into a fight on stage and off the stage and knock down the whole background. And so when Rumble and John Jones came out to face off against each other, if you remember, I forget one of them did something to the other one. And then the other one went and slapped his hand and grabbed his neck. And then Dana jumped in and they both started laughing. They had planned it. And they were acting like, you know, planning how to get it. And, and Dana was like, Dana White was like, all he was thinking was like, no, not again, right? So um, I definitely think both of them wanted that fight because I think both of them understood it was important for their legacy. Um, either way, it would have been a huge notch on, you know, the other one's legacy that won that fight. Um, and what John Jones... Um, you know, the only maybe knock that you can say on him, which is the reason why, in my opinion, not, uh, which is the reason why this um, this Ngannou fight is going to be so crazy is you really haven't seen him fight the real knockout artist, right? The closest you had to that was maybe like a Vitor Belfort, but we, we're talking about a really undersized Vitor Belfort, even though, you know, he had a little juice, but... Um, like a big knockout a little, artist. A little. Yeah, a little, a little juice, but a big Not no liver king about, but a little bit. <laughs> no, not a, that's a whole nother story. We're not talking about liver king. <laughs> you know, I'm missing, I watched every episode. I read all the, um, you know, the actual coach end up coming out to the one that's, that leaked the email, which is a guy that I had watched multiple times. Uh, because he's he's he pairs up with uh, uh, Derek from More Place, More Dates, and this other guy that also comes on that show. So they pair up at different times, and they do like these talks where it's like four of them on there. So I've watched each one of their channels individually, and I just think it's hilarious that he happens to be a YouTuber. His whole channel is about people being enhanced, and this whole time. He's been helping the Liver King and no, like, it's not like it was this guy in, you know, the back of Montana that nobody knew that was helping him. Like, no, this dude is like a a big fitness YouTuber that's all about fit enhanced. And he's watching the Liver King as he's helping him rise and go on all these talk shows and say he's natty. Like, I would be going crazy. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you, you said we ain't talking about the liver king. I know, but I had to go there. I had to. I had to. 
But yeah, so, so some of the listeners might not ahead. know. He's also a big like bodybuilding fan. <laughs> DC is a fan of every obscure uh, sport or athletic event that nobody else is into. Listen, if you're not into it, I probably watch it. <laughs> but yeah, this this fight would have been huge. So I, my pick was either that it was a toss up between that, and I really wanted to see the fight that was scheduled in Bellator, him versus Yoel Romero. I don't think it's as big of a fight as the John Jones fight, but it's a matchup I really wanted to see. Um, You know, especially because going back to the Styles thing, um, one of the things that we know is not too many people that really want to stand in the pocket with Yoel. And I I don't think Rumble knows how to not stand in the pocket. It doesn't matter who the fighter is. Rumble's in the pocket, right? So I needed to see. I think Yoel was going to have to make some adjustments, but also with his athleticism and his wrestling, I wanted to see if he was going to try to go a little bit more of a DC approach or what he was going to do. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And Yoel Romero is that crazy dude who is going to go out there and and bang with Rumble Johnson. So I think it's definitely a couple of a couple physical specimens. Like uh it's like it's almost superhuman power, you know, but I think the fact that Rumble Johnson was more of a natural light heavyweight i know he did all the but that was way earlier in his career where yoel's more of a natural middleweight can fight at light heavyweight i think rumble might just be a little bit too big for him and despite his olympic pedigree the fact that yoel is gonna wing haymakers yeah he does one of the scariest humans we've ever seen i think uh i don't know i would have liked to have seen it and and when i say biggest fight ever like i know there's fights that would sell more, have a bigger gate or whatever. But I guess when I just, I'm just kind of talking about for like the legacy. I mean, John Jones, when you look at the fact that he's potentially the GOAT, you know, that's a fight that could have dismantled that. And I just yeah. mean in, in a historical sense, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Okay. I have one last question. And then in case you wanted to throw out anything that I didn't throw out as a question. The last question I have on here is um, with him going over the Bellator and leaving the UFC, do you think in entering light heavyweight over there and looking at that landscape, do you think that was basically a sure path for him to go ahead and get a major, finally get that major title that you mentioned he never won? I don't think it's a sure path. I think it's a path. Honestly, I think it's a path towards a double title, potentially. Um, But I think, look, at some point, Rumble versus Bader again, you know, as a rematch. You knocked a guy out. It doesn't mean that. I mean, yeah, you have that little factor. You kind of got one up on him, but fights could play out different. But, yeah, I definitely think he could have been a double champion, but. I hate to say this on his gloves and roses is he did seem to be that guy that kind of, uh, you know, in the, in the big fights in the championship fights, he, he seemed to struggle. So 
Um, I think that if you get the right guy, not that could take his punch because nobody's going to take that punch, but the right guy that can uh, strategize around that and grapple him. I think like Daniel Cormier said, uh, nothing's a sure thing. And I think uh, against Rumble, there was always a path to victory. If if you were willing to you know, swim across the Crocodile River to get there, you, you do have to survive the crocodiles, but there's a path. Yeah, I would say, um, of course, there's always a chance, but I, I think it was a pretty, pretty sure thing. I think it was, I personally think it would have been an easy path. And the only reason why I say that is because when I look at that landscape and I look at the guys that are over there, I just don't see anybody kind of being able to pull out that kind of wrestling against him. So you got to look at once he hit kind of that light heavyweight scene, he really only lost to DC. Um, and so when I look at who's over there, Ryan Bader, who he's beat, right? You you got um, Phil Davis over there, who he's beat. I don't think they've changed much since their days in the UFC. Um, I think that, the, you know, you got a couple Russian guys over there who, you know, may be a threat based on the wrestling. Uh, but Corey Anderson... If he decides to use his wrestling, which he it, it it just depends with him. Sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. Yeah, but I don't think he would be able to get in to use his wrestling. I, his footwork, I I never liked, and I think he gets KO'd trying to come in, right? And of course, Ryan Bader's the champ. You have um, Romero, you know who we talked about. That was the next fight we were seeing for what the tournament was. And I don't remember who all was in that tournament, but you got Melvin Manhoff over there. We know how everything uh, ended with his career. We did a gloves and roses on him. Uh, you know, he just recently retired. He was in that light heavyweight boat. So I just don't, I just don't see anybody over there that really would have been in particular would have been that tournament that would have been able to stop him especially when you look at, you know, a guy like Ryan Bader being a champion, I don't see, I mean, anything can change, but I don't see the that fight with Ryan Bader going any different, even if he decided, hey, I'm just going to go out there and wrestle. I mean, Ryan Bader in Bellator got KO'd by Corey Anderson 51 seconds in the first round, right? Um, I just don't see that fight going any different. Um, and I guess that's why for me, I think he would have become, I think something crazy would have had to happen for him not to become champion at lightweight. Uh, to your point, I do think it's a chance he would have become a champ champ, but I think for sure he would have been, became the light, um, you know, the light heavyweight champion. I hate to do this because I I don't like to stir the pot usually. Stir um, it, stir the pot. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the rankings, the Bellator rankings right now. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a better shot at heavyweight than light heavyweight. I'm not saying he doesn't have a shot at light heavyweight. I'm just saying at light heavyweight, I look at the top, you know, outside of the champ. You got Yoel Romero, Olympic wrestler, Ryan Bader. 
I mean, obviously he'd been knocked out, but he's a good wrestler. He's beat Phil Davis, but a D1 wrestler. Corey Anderson's a wrestler. There's, you know, there's some guys that could possibly put together a, a grapple and a manhandle and plan. So versus when you look at the heavyweight, you got Ryan Bader. That's his biggest potential. After that, you know, you got Fedor and Czech Congo in the top five. Yeah, and matter of fact, Fedor wants about to get to, anywhere near. Fedor Rumble is the Johnson? next fight up for that title. What's that? Fedor is the next fight up for that title. And Look, I misspoke. Ryan Fedor's always is the Fedor is always the next fight up for the title. <laughs> and I did misspeak. Ryan Bader is the heavyweight champion. At one point, he was the light heavyweight champion. He was the he's the heavyweight champion. Vendum uh, is the the light heavyweight champion, which I believe he's the person that beat Ryan Bader for that. But as I've mentioned on here before, I don't watch a whole lot of Bellator. Um, I follow it a bit, but I don't watch a lot of it. But yeah, which is I, weird because you disagree. usually are a sucker for a smaller promotion, but for some reason, you're just not a fan. And you I'm even like Coker, why. too, right? You like Scott Coker. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you why. It's the product. It's like when you watch a movie, right? And the movie is super low budget. You can get into the movie. If the movie is high quality, you can get into the movie. One of the worst things is when you have, like, high quality or high-level actors in a mid-level promotion... Because you expect more. But if it's like, you know, Napoleon Dynamite, you don't know any of these guys. It's low budget. It's like, this is a great movie, right? Put yep. all stars in Napoleon Dynamite and give it the same so you're production. You're saying 1FC is the Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> no, 1FC, I think, actually has the best. Like, I think 1FC is better than all of them. I think 1FC is better than the UFC. The difference is... In particular, in America, I just think the product, the fact that it's coming on at a different time, everything like that, I just don't, I think it still needs some work to be big in America. And the names are not there because they're focused on, you know, the Eastern part. They're focused on Asia. And I think when you don't have a lot of Americans in it, it's not going to grow. But looking at the product, take all the names away. You look at the product. One blows everybody out of the water, in my opinion. The UFC is the good. You got a really good um, production. And you have A-list actors. One FC is you have a great, you have like the, the best state-of-the-art studio. Right? right, and you got CGI and all of whatever the new shit is in, in the movies, right? But then you have like B and C um, um, actors, and it, it's not even um, whether they can act or not when I say B and C, but it's like nobody really knows them, right? You got a couple people that used to be big names, but even then you're still trying to to merge the two like okay you got dj over there i think dj is still a huge name but not really because he never became that big big name in the u.s market and then he went over there and although fight level he's a 
when you look at the promotion and, you know, it's like, what would you say? So there's like an actor that's really, really good, but they're not an A-list actor. That's DJ. He's really, really good when it comes to acting. But when you look at popularity, he's not A-list. So I think, I think the production for one is great. It's better than the UFC, but I think they have B and C level actors. Once again, not based on ability, but based on popularity and all the other things that make something huge. I actually agree with you. I just said it wrong, which forced you to repeat it again. <laughs> I actually agreed with what you're saying. I just said it wrong. Yeah, but Look, but I agree been, with your path. It's been a long week. I'm drinking on a Wednesday. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about long weeks. And no, I'm not going to go into the story for that. <laughs> Well, that's, those are the questions I had. So I know sometimes you'll have, you'll anticipate some of the questions and you'll put something down and you'll say, I can't believe you didn't ask that. So did you have anything that you wanted to throw out there, ask, or just add in general? Well, the the one thing uh, I kind of prepared for, you used to kind of ask like some version of this question, <clears throat> like when they first came on your radar or, or when you first kind of became aware of them. Yep. Now, Anthony Johnson is a JUCO national champion, so as a card carrier member of the wrestling elite, I do get the newsletter anytime they're they're about to get into a US into right. a UFC card. So. They send a little pigeon to your house and right. got a little message yeah. around it. Well, right, because it's wrestlers; they ain't got no state of the art <laughs> shit. They're still going going old school. They, they pony express that shit to the house, you know? right? Um, but the Rich Clemente fight, so it wasn't his first UFC fight. But I was never a Rich Clemente fan. Um, I don't know if you remember. I know Melvin Glard. You do remember probably because yep. Melvin Glard was your guy. Yep. And he was like, uh, I don't remember what he did. But just uh, some some Patty the Batty disrespectful shit yeah. after winning the fight or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I guess those two actually go back to like the small regional promotions. So I was never a big Rich Clemente fan. <clears throat> and as crazy as it is to believe... Rumble Johnson was a welterweight. Now, yes. he's a welterweight that eventually went up to a light heavyweight, even heavyweight. Rich Clemente was a lightweight that fought some fights at welterweight sometimes. And he took the fight because he basically had like 40-something fights. And Rumble Johnson had four and he was able to beat because because beat him because he was more experienced and was able to you know out grapple him and shit. Mm-hmm. But man, go look at some of the weigh in photos of Rich Clemente versus Rumble Johnson at that weigh in. Yeah, I don't know how that I don't know how that shit got sanctioned, man. I mean, it, obviously Rich Clemente won, but he was giant compared to Rich Clemente, yeah. and that was the first time I was like, wow. It this reminded me of uh, of Ben Henderson when he fought. Um, he fought this giant dude before he left the UFC, and I don't remember the guy's name, but uh, he ended up beating the dude. Uh, same thing, you know. The guy was giant; he was about six two. Um, I'm gonna look it up, you know, so because I don't think he's a guy that would come on your radar. Otherwise, because he wasn't uh, like a big name, as I said. But um, yeah, I, I do Brandon remember. Thatch? Yep, Thatch. Yep, that's him. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah six and if you, two. 
Yeah, and if you look at I think Brandon Thatch was undefeated at the time or maybe had like a loss or so. And, um, you know, Ben Henderson went out there and won that fight and Brandon Thatch actually kind of fell apart after that. Um, Never won another yeah, fight. I didn't know that, but I knew he fell apart. <laughs> but, he was um, retired within two years. <laughs> that's how you get beat up by a little dude. I'm retired too. <laughs> ben Henderson took his soul. And it, it's about the same difference because Ben is about five nine or so. That's about what Rich Clemente was. And of course we know Ben was a lightweight uh champion. And um if we look at Rumble, Rumble's about six two. Now of course Rumble it is stature is bigger because he used to dehydrate a lot. So he was actually bigger than Thatch, but still for the sake of what we're talking about. Right. But Rumble but, um, was, and he was broad shouldered. Yeah. So even yeah. when he was dehydrated, he looked a giant. Yeah. He looked big. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember that fight too. And there was something, I don't remember what it was, but um, it was somebody, it was an interview and it was a young lady interviewing Rumble, and they're sitting on a couch, and they were talking about this upcoming fight, and I remember that fight, and I remember saying there's no way he loses to Rich Clemente. I wasn't a fan of of Clemente either, and he had like one of those kind of like soft Mike Tyson type voices, but then he was a smaller guy, so it made it even worse, and I'm like, there's no way he's going to lose to this guy. He lost. <laughs> Strangled him. <laughs> and now look at like when we talk about all the killers that he knocked out later on in life and everything like that. And you got to remember that you lost to this little five, nine soft voice dude <laughs> that, that so, never was so a champion. <laughs> the day, the day that he beat Andre Orlovsky. Just as you're standing there, 240 fucking pounds, 6'2", just remember, you got strangled on live TV by Rich Clemente. It was a bummer. But that that was the first fight where, even in that loss, I could see it was one of those things. It was experience. He was young. Mm -hmm. He was new. uh, Bright lights, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, he, he got the better of, but that was still the fight that just his the the sheer stature, yeah. It's like you and know it, what it, this guy is something to watch. Going into what what I talked about with the um, you know the Daniel Cormier thing, and that's the only person he lost to at heavy at light heavyweight. If you look, interesting stat. If you look at all of his losses, right? <laughs> Go and look at all of Rumble's losses. Daniel Cormier, I'm going to go from most recent to last. Daniel Cormier, the, the second fight, rear naked choke. Daniel Cormier, the first fight, rear naked choke. Vitor Belfort, rear naked choke. Josh Koscheck, rear naked choke. <laughs> Burns, of course, we talked about that one. We don't, I don't think that should be a loss, so I'm not counting that one, right? Rich Clemente, rear naked choke. <laughs> that's all about a path to victory clearly <laughs> it's find a way to the rear naked choke and that was what dc saw and dc said basically if i grind him out tire him out and get his back 
he's going to let me choke him. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because, um, as we mentioned, it's, you know, other than that, you're pretty much getting knocked out. You know, it's not too many people go to distance with him. If you can't find a way to that rear neck and choke, you're getting knocked out. Those are the two paths that you got to decide on. Am I getting to that rear neck and choke or am I getting knocked out tonight? Those are the two choices. <laughs> and a fairly elite club, too. Because even yeah. Rich Clemente, say what you want about him. We're talking about a guy that's got 50, 60 pro fights or something. Yep. Shit. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, to wrap this up as usual, just run down the accolades. Fights Rich Clemente's got. Yeah, sounds about right. Run down the accolades again as usual. Um, his overall record was 23 and 6, um, 17 KOs, Juco National Champion, Fight of the Night against Koscheck, Knockout of the Night against uh, Kevin Burns and Charlie Brenneman. Five times performance of the night against Little Nog, Alexander Gustafson, Jimmy Manua, Ryan Bader, and Glover Teixeira. Other notable wins, Phil Davis, Mike Kyle, Andre Orlowski, and Dan Hardy. And then outside of that, other notable fights, these happen to be losses, were Daniel Cormier twice and Vitor Belfort. Um, As we talked about at the beginning, this gloves and roses, the whole thing is looking at people that you may or may not know. They ne- never won maybe the big title or something like that. But, you know, we want to highlight them. And it's usually because of what they did based on performances, people being scared of them, or just, you know, overall career that we really want to highlight. So with that, anything else from you, Locke, before we wrap this up? No, I think we covered it, man. Uh, I'm glad we did this one. Rest in peace, Rumble. Absolutely. Rest oh, in peace. Oh, yes. One more thing I did want to say. Yes. I So many of these videos, he's one of these guys that would knock you out with a punch that looks like he barely threw it. Yeah. Yeah. He really had a power that, that came from. It was weird because he was a little stiff, but he threw from his hip. It looked like arm punches because he was kind of stiff, but it wasn't. Like his body went into it. And it was lights out. He just kind of yeah. clipped you like on the back piece of your head or something. It didn't matter. Yeah. He's hand grenades on his wrist. But yeah. Absolutely. So, rest in peace. Rumble Johnson, man. Absolutely. Well, this has been another great episode. Thank you all for listening. Come again. That wraps up another great Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at topic at fatboymma.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links dot fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.